Back in the 1970s, a movement began that led to a revolution, a Jesus revolution. Time Magazine wrote about it, several books have been written about it, and now we have a movie depicting it. And on this episode of Student Ministry Connection, we talk with Brent McCorkle, the co-director of Jesus Revolution. We'll hear his story, learn why you should see the movie, understand why it's important that your students see this movie, and so much more. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and I'm so excited for you to be here for episode 99. Back in the fall, I had an opportunity to check out an early screening of Jesus Revolution. And a couple months later, when I had another opportunity, I told my wife she had to come with me. And both of us walked out of the theater that night saying that not only did we learn a lot from this movie, but we were so inspired by what God did then and what he could do again. And today I'm so excited for you to hear from Brent McCorkle. Brent is the co-director of Jesus Revolution, but he has also worked on so many other movies like I Can Only Imagine, Woodlawn, Unconditional, and Steve McQueen, American Icon. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to pause and thank the sponsor of this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone as well, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $20 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $30 a month. And if you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum, G-Shades has you covered for only $40 a month. You will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. Head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to download season four of G-Shades curriculum and use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to receive an extra $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. Now it's time to jump into this conversation about Jesus Revolution with Brent McCorkle. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Brent. Man, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me out. Yeah. So I've been fortunate enough to see your work, not only in Jesus Revolution, but also I've seen I Can Only Imagine and Woodlawn. And something I think some of our audience might not know is that you have various film credits to your name. So not only are you a director, but I found out you're a writer, an editor, a producer, and a composer. So is that something you've always aspired to do? Man, my my story's funny. I was in Dallas. I was already married. I had a bunch of kids. I had a mortgage. I was working at a church and I just, the passion hit me. I, I was a typical artist, man. I was lost. I switched majors five times. And when I finally found film and, and realized that's what I wanted to do with my life, I was in my late twenties. So a couple of things happened. I realized I was already behind age wise. And also you didn't look to your left and your right and see a bunch of people out in Dallas trying to make movies. And so 
my thinking was, okay, I've got my family here. You know, I've got ties here. Both, both sets of grandparents were there. Like, I just need to make the best run of this that I can in Dallas. So my best, uh, I guess, track that I thought would let me get there was I just need to learn it all. <laughs> so I was already a musician. I was raised in the church. I was a worship leader and um, I'd already been dabbling with film scores and stuff. And um, uh, my teachers saw how passionate I was and they would spend time with me on the weekends and show me editing platforms. And I just thought to myself, I just need to become this holistic filmmaker because I don't trust that my phone is going to magically ring and someone's going to go, hey, here's this multi-million dollar opportunity out of nowhere. And so I don't know if you know the other Texas filmmaker, Robert Rodriguez, but very similar. He wanted to make films so bad and he had no resources. He was just a street rat. And I, I really, I really identify with that. I'm kind of a blue collar street rat kid that uh, I took some film classes. I never graduated, but I taught myself all the different disciplines. I was working in crews and getting yelled at as a PA and you know, all the things that you do. But on the on the weekends, I was running out with my friends into the woods with cameras that I usually borrowed or you know, begged somebody to, to use, you know, mm -hmm. and we were shooting short films. And over time, I was honing my craft and getting some chops. Um, so, yeah, working, working for the man, you know, to pay the bills and, and uh, keep the kids fed and all that. But as best I could. And then also, you know, on the weekends trying to perfect what it was I was trying to do, which was to become a narrative filmmaker and, and hopefully get a chance to work on movies. And so, yeah, that's, that's why all the credits just because I felt like, I felt like I was a bit of an, on an Island uh, in, in Dallas and just felt like I needed to learn it all to, to survive out there. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And, and to, yeah, to see, yeah, you're, you're just doing what you got to do to, in order to make it and, and everything. So you mentioned that you you grew up in the church and was a worship leader for a while. Um, I'd love to for our audience just to hear a little more of your story, your upbringing. Um, how did you actually come to to meet Jesus, and how did He set you on the path where where you are today? Yeah, that's a great story. I was raised in a church. I uh, was baptized when I was five. My dad was an executive at a, a large denomination called the Assemblies of God, and when I was ten, he brought me and my brother into the living room and he sat us down he said hey your mom and i need to talk about something important we want to start a new church in dallas and we picked up everything and moved to dallas and started this church from scratch and a couple of things happened one you know it was just this giant uprooting uh of course of our lives and starting over and everything and that was a pretty that was pretty intense you know finding new friends and new schools yeah. and all that intense time but the cool thing that happened was I saw my dad chasing his dream really hard and he had so much passion about it and it really instilled a lot of things in me. And, um, I'm very grateful for my dad. Uh, and I, I lived a similar path and, um, you know, I would fail a lot and want to quit. And my kids especially were like my biggest fans. And, mm. and, uh, I was, I would apologize to them, you know, cause we would fall on rocky financial times and that, you know, I was kind of yanking them around and it was a struggle, right? It was, I was, I was a starving artist who was married and had five kids. And wow. I, I, I struggled with a little bit of that, like shame and guilt wise. Like it'd be one thing if I was single and wanted to like wash dishes uh, mm -hmm. and, and backpack across Scotland with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But like I drug other humans into this thing. Right. But my, my kids have really affirmed me and, and told me they appreciated me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that I showed them 
what it's like to chase dreams too. So I think that, I think overall it's, it's been good, you know, for our family with the struggles and everything. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, my faith has really been a beautiful thing for me. I, I being raised in the church, not even really knowing I was an artist. I always try to tell people, especially people outside the church, how loving of an environment it is for artists, almost on accident. You know, I was like, Hey, Hey, I think you have some talent. Let's put you up on the piano. Let's get you singing. Let's, let's get you uh, doing uh, goofy dramas with the youth group or, or the kids or whatever. How was that, man? I just, I was just this kind of creative kid. And, but I had all these beautiful avenues uh, to explore that artistry, but also I had a safe crash pad. I had a landing mm. pad. So if I failed and played bad chords, I didn't get like shamed out and like kicked mm. out of the church. Like, Hey man, you missed that G chord. You might on the next one, you know? Oh, okay. Sorry. <clears throat> and so, so yeah, I just think it's, I think the church is a beautiful place where creative kids, artistic kids, kids who don't even know they're artistic to get their 10,000 hours in and be loved and nurtured and encouraged. And I always, bring this up in interviews but if you look at america's got talent american idol so many of those kids come from the church and the reason yep. why is they're given they were given the opportunity to grow and make their mistakes and fail and learn and continue to achieve and get better and hone their craft and mm -hmm. have more of a, like a robust talent because they've had all those hours to to practice in a safe environment. So I'm really appreciative of the nurturing environment in which I was raised in the church as an artist. Um, but beyond that, um, we come from a Pentecostal kind of charismatic persuasion. And the thing I take from my upbringing, and I, I bring this up a lot too, is when somebody was hurting, they might have cancer. They might've just been left by their husband. Uh, they might have a kid in the ICU they would bring that person up to the church, to the front of the church. They would stop the service and they would all lay hands on them and pray mm -hmm. for them. And you would see a bunch of tears. And it wouldn't just be the tears of the person they're praying for. It's the people that have hands on that person, tears flowing down their face because of this empathy and this love of God that's like coming out of them, you know, and flowing towards this person. It, man, it's, it's profoundly impacted me. Yeah. If you look at my movies, just take a clicker and count how many times like someone will lay a hand on a shoulder, or, like touch somebody because I, that's where I come from. And, and mm. you'll see that pattern play out over and over again. It's, it's a lot in Jesus revolution too. <clears throat> There's a lot of, um, you know, laying out of hands and, and, you know, hugging and touching. Cause mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I just, that's how I was shown the power of God demonstrated through humanity yeah, uh, I think being raised well, this little Pentecostal kid where they're not afraid to like put hands on you, you know. So, so yeah, yeah I, I think, um, I think, I just wish, I wish all churches were, were I wish churches were safe spaces, uh, you know, and 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 youth groups too, where if somebody's hurting, it's not about your program; it's about stopping everything right yeah. then to help them. And and you know, they let me put a scene. Uh, like that in the movie where they stopped a church service to help yep. a guy in a lot of pain and mm -hmm. he needed needed a family you know and he found it he found it in the jesus revolution so yeah yeah so yeah that's uh, that's a story <laughs> that's cool and i love i love how 
you guys have in, in within the movie also shown the 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 realness of that too, both within the moment, but also within the pastors themselves and kind of, hey, was this real? And like having to having to go through that kind of struggle as well as 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 one of them was trying to hold on to those kind of situations and trying to possibly manufacture them at some some other times. So that was kind of real to be able to see not only, you know everything's great in the church and it all goes, you know, it just as it should all the time. But there were some real moments where there were some disagreements and, and be able to, to see different perspectives, be able to hash that out a little bit. And, um, and they didn't necessarily come in the, within the, you know, the time frame of the movie, they didn't come to a conclusion where they agreed and, you know, hugged each other and, you know, went on their merry way. They actually, you know, separated. And that was, that was really interesting to see how you guys were just very real. I think as you portrayed um, what was going on there. And I appreciate so. you saying that we, we pushed really hard for as much authenticity as we could in a PG 13 movie. Right. I mean, you could always push things harder, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of where it landed and it does. People come talk to me. It's like, man, it's so sad that they didn't reconcile, but, but we're all on a human journey and it's actually biblical. There's so many people that have breakups and break away from each other. Paul and Barnabas, yep. and, you know, the tribes of Israel, you know, it's, it's encoded, it's encoded in our humanity. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes though, if you roll with it, you end up with a both and situation. So both go off and end up doing good things yeah. where, at, where there was maybe some ego conflicts, some alpha conflicts and that kind of thing that slows everything down. Cause there's it, even in a, like, as you said, it's it's in question whether uh you know what what percentage of it is emotional hype or what percentage of it is real there were definitely some real things that happened in the jesus movement to me i mean there were people that just went cold turkey off heroin yeah, I mean, yeah. the next morning they don't need so i wanted that represented because that really did happen yeah. now now uh was there also emotional hype definitely Definitely there was. So, you know, you have people trying to create that youth camp experience and get everybody emotionally hyped. And, you know, we see versions of that today with the, uh, like the intelligent lighting and the fog machines and, you know, so yeah, but in the middle of all that, hopefully people are still finding peace with God because at the end of the day, everybody's going to die. We're all going to die. And like mm -hmm. all that you take with you is whatever peace you've cultivated between, between you and your creator. Mm -hmm. So I hope, you know, for me, you know, look, putting on kind of a humanist lens for a moment. I hope that people, even in some of the hype or, or like more on Chuck's side, you're definitely more like metered and disciplined. Uh, however you climb the mountain is less important to me at just get on the mountain. Yeah. Cause if you get on the mountain, start moving up and you start finding peace with God, it's going to look different to you than the person to your left or to your right. And yeah. that's okay. You know, yeah. but just mountain. And I, I, I did like that about Jesus revolution. He had a bunch of people trying to get on the mountain and failing and sliding down as we all do. I, I liken my spiritual journey to being on a mountain and I, I slide down, you know, I slide down and lose some, lose some altitude. And, but then you get, you get your toehold back in and you start climbing again. And, and then you look down and realize, okay, well, I'm, if I fell all the way, it'd be pretty bad right now. I've got gained some altitude, you know? So yeah, so, yeah man, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, we really wanted the authenticity of the human side of the things, the clashes, and we didn't want to whitewash it. We didn't want it to be this perfect thing that that happened um, because 
in in all honesty, it was the opposite we were trying to say is that um, jars of clay, water leaks out of it. Like you're a broken piece of pottery. So even though you're a canister that contains water, you have leaks. Mm -hmm. And we didn't just want to make it this perfect thing. Like you have to show the human canister. You have to show yeah. the jar and that it's broken and it can yeah. still hold the holy water you know mm. so so our you know we even said it at the end but i think chuck says something like well fortunately god has a long history of using broken and flawed yeah. people and yeah. i think that's uh i think that's uh where the church really fails you really need to look at it because there is that old quaker puritanical thing of you need to look out outwardly you need to look like you have it all put together you need to be able to quote scripture and talk about how many bible studies you went to and you went to church and all that stuff you don't drink and you don't cuss and you don't smoke what's interesting about all that stuff is it's external yeah so if we can bring the internal struggles out you know into the light and create more of a christian culture where it's safe to do so we're all yeah. going to grow but you have to say you have to be able to have that conversation with someone and say oh yeah we're all just these broken pottery jars trying to hold yeah. this water and it's okay if it if it leaks you know it's yeah. fine but you're a human it's that's yeah. that's what this is about and i really i really love if we could get back to that um just be be real be real with yourself and and like there are places um, in all of us that we hold in darkness that if we brought to the light mm. there would be a lot of peace and love you know they're absolutely they're waiting for us not only with god but hopefully with the hopefully with like other healthy people around you that are on a spiritual journey as well yeah absolutely i think that working with with teenagers for a while now that's the one of the things that i appreciate about them so much is they do want that transparency they want that vulnerability and once we can provide it in a healthy way and in an environments where we can encourage that like there's so much growth that can happen instead of just putting on this facade that like oh i do all the things i'm morally right but internally i'm struggling but once we can get that out, all of a sudden we can help each other and, and grow together. And and like you said, our journeys are going to look different, but we're all on the same journey to get to the same destination. Yeah, I identify with the kids of today. I, I mean, and I, at risk of offending, at risk of offending, and I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to offend, but I'm done with people's moralism. Uh -huh. I you You end up with a lot of hatred in that. You get stuck in the right or the wrong. And above the right and the wrong is the love of God. Cause God loves you no matter what. So let's Amen. get into that. Let's get into that higher, into that higher, uh, ground, you know, together. And uh, if you have a youth leader, that's able to say, uh, guys, here's what I'm struggling with today and lay it all out and blow people's minds. I had a pastor get up and I was in tears. I'd never seen this before. He got up and said, and he had, he'd had some terrible, terrible things happen in his life and his family, but he got up and said, um, because of these things that are happening, guys, right now, my wife is really struggling with alcoholism and we could really use your prayer. And dude, I wept. I was overwhelmed. I said, I, I literally, after, after we went to lunch, me and my wife, I said, I would follow that man into hell mm -hmm. with a water gun because mm -hmm. you know how hard that is? Like you're a spiritual leader yeah. and you're getting up and you're always saying, Hey, this is, this is real. This is what's going on. And I need you guys to know so you can pray for me. And so I can be real and be vulnerable to you as your leader. And man, I, I can't tell you how much I love that man and think about him. Um, but I, you know, my, my greatest spiritual mentor in my entire life is a, uh, 
an alcoholic. He's, you know, 30 years sober, so goes to AA, but he's walked a deep, deep walk on this earth, deeper than me. And his struggles with addiction and fighting to get sober, it's deepened him spiritually. He's a deeper spiritual person than me. So I seek him out, you know, yeah. so we're, where a moralist would be like, oh, I don't know, man. They struggle with alcohol. I really don't want. I really don't think they should be leading anybody. Mm, mm. It's the opposite. It's the opposite because he got up above all that and he found God, and uh, and so yeah, man. I I can't bang that drum enough. And and you know, on both sides of the political spectrum, uh, it's actually easier to be a moralist. It's easier to be in political idolatry and like choose your side and paint your face blue or red or whatever you want to do and start screaming at people in all caps. That's actually easier. Yeah. Uh, the harder thing to do is I got my shirt on, but love your enemies, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And in yep. that sense, I always make this joke and I, it, it, um, if I hope, I hope it's not offensive, but it's like, if you, if you hold the teachings of Jesus to the highest level and the rubric is for you to really be a follower of Christ, you need to love your enemies. It's like, okay, I might've met four real Christians in my entire life, you know? Yeah. So I, I love the gauntlet of love that Jesus threw down and, mm -hmm when the moralist would try to trap him, he would always ask a question that turned it back to something spiritual, you know, mm -hmm. instead of like, well, I'm on this side or that side. He's like, well, well, let me tell you a story about who a neighbor is. Instead of you guys trying to trap me, let me tell you a story about who actually loved their neighbor. And uh, man, again, it, it's powerful. If you look at everything he did and his actions he took, and the time that he spent and the things that he said, it, it's so much of it is actuated from the love of God and loving everyone. Yeah. And really, when he got tough, it seemed to me that he was pushing back against the people that had forgotten that and would rather be in their moralist views. And man, these kids today, they don't want to hear it, man. Nope. Like, they nope. want it. They want to hear how you're trying to help the planet get better and how you're trying to help in suffering in the world. And what's crazy about that is, man, Jesus is, Jesus is like a great example. So if we could yep. turn them back to the things that he did. I think, you know, I think this new generation will bring forth a beautiful Jesus culture that I think, I think we need, I think we need a revolution in the church. Mm -hmm. We need it. We need a turn back to love. You know? Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And I'm hoping, right, yeah, no, that's great. No, <laughs> and we're done. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think, I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, you're speaking, you're speaking my language. I think you're speaking our audience's language because we really believe that this next generation could, we could, we could see something like the Jesus revolution again, if, if this next generation really does just fall in love with Jesus again to like not let the the shortcomings of the church and the shortcomings of any any leader that's been out there that's led them astray or anything like that but let's just fall in love with Jesus again and what he wants for the world and to understand that he can he can use them and he can use us and it'd be i we can't wait to see you know what happens when when the next generation really does uh grab a hold of that and start to run and and I love how you guys really shown that within within this film so one of the things that i am so excited to tell our audience um, from being able to see it twice is that um, it is not a cringy christian movie um and i was so excited to to watch it and and to know like man 
okay, I could actually, you know, have non-Christian, uh, you know, come with me and see this. And they were, I won't be going, oh, I can't believe they said that. Or, oh, I can't believe, you know, whatever. Um, it was, it was very real. And I think that, you know, we talked about that earlier. That was so, uh, so crucial, I think, in how you guys portrayed everything. It was very authentic. It was so inspired. Um, and, and I was moved by the story. Um, everyone I talked to, uh, from the screenings, they also felt the same way. Um, we felt pumped as soon as we walked out, just ready to go out and lead other people to Jesus and start another Jesus movement. I know that Greg Laurie uh, wrote the book about his story and everything, but I'd love to know how how did the idea of the movie itself come to be? Yeah, it's a great story. I'll try to, I'm, I'm being long-winded with you, so I'll try to do it shorter. Um, when we did Woodlawn, that, that whole story was actually an offshoot of the Jesus movement. So as research was going down for Woodlawn, one of the Irwin brothers, John, discovered online, I think, he saw this crazy psychedelic uh, painting of Jesus, and it was on Time magazine. It said Jesus Revolution. He's like, what is this? It was like a, it's like a mystery box. Hmm. And he tried to find the archives online, and Time doesn't have that particular uh, uh, article digitally archived. So what he ended up doing was ordering a collector's edition item off of eBay for like $150. But when he got that Jesus Revolution Time magazine, he opened up and read it. He's like, this is this is our next movie, guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we got pumped about it. But that was in um, that was right after Woodlawn. And we were going into I Can Only Imagine. And we finished I Can Only Imagine. And that's the one they wanted to do next. Well, Lionsgate came along. And we're so appreciative of them, but they wanted to move it downstream a little bit more and do a couple more titles in front of that. So we delayed there and I've been doing tons of research. I had a phone book of cool like anecdotes and stuff I had found and, you know, done all this research on Chuck and Lonnie and it was amazing. And Greg was writing the book and, and, you know, we were getting ready for it. Well, well it, it got paused then, then it actually mounted up and I wasn't available. John Gunn, who was one of the screenwriters, was going to do a version of it. But the pandemic hit and they just mm -hmm. they unmounted it. They shot it down, which I understand completely. Well, it's fortunate for me or I feel really blessed because the third time I tried to mount, I was available and I wanted to do it. So, uh, you know, in 2022, the third time we're trying to do it, you know, we, we actually finished it. And so so I'm very grateful. But, yeah, it, it came from john Irwin pushing deeper into what really happened and it was an untold story cinematically and uh it's been amazing people have stopped me i've been wow it's about time somebody did something about this like people know there's like a really special time and that that it was a formulative time in history yeah and so yeah that was the that's been the origin story but it started uh nearly seven years ago so wow wow that's that's awesome um, and I love how you've got quite the cast in this movie as well. I mean, Jonathan Rumi, uh, Kimberly Williams Paisley, Kelsey Grammer, uh, and so many others. How, what was the feeling on set with all the cast and crew? It was amazing. It's the most overwhelmingly positive experience I've ever had on a movie. Everybody showed up in high spirits with great attitudes and ready to work. And that's the crew as well. Um, it's hard to describe to people what happens in movies, but by and large, it, it can be a very toxic culture. You're doing 12 to 16 hour days. Sometimes you don't get even enough turnaround to sleep and it brings out the best and the worst in people. But in this particular case, it was just beautiful, man. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. I just, the most talented cast by far I've ever gotten a chance to work with and everybody showed up, not just to play a part, but to work. 
And I mean, Kelsey Grammer, I mean, he showed up to work nice. and, uh, and he's unbelievably revelatory in the role for me. I, I knew he'd bring that big, like robust, you know, presence of, oh, you know, he, he does that really awesome. And he's funny. He's hilarious, hilarious human being, just, mm -hmm. just one of the funniest dudes ever, but I didn't expect him to be so in touch with his heart and mm. his spirituality, but I, uh, he, it was beautiful what he did and he would, he would overwhelm the, the sets sometime mm. people crying, just watching him work. Cause he was just touching something so deep in, in himself and really trying to bring that out. And he did it. I think it's the best thing he's ever done. So yeah, Kelsey was definitely, and then you're always, um, when you're younger and you have these veteran dudes, you're always a little intimidated. Cause like they've done it longer than you've been alive, you know? <laughs> so you're like, uh, am I going to fail this person? You know? So, uh, but he was just so gracious and kind and um, would listen if we wanted to do something different. And yeah, just great. And Jonathan Romy, such a dedicated actor, so passionate, lost 20 pounds for the role, went to visit Lonnie's grave, got a dialect coach, um, you know, studied everything he could on Lonnie. It was amazing to see the links he went to to do this right. And wow. I don't know, honestly... I mean, I don't want to, let me just put it this way. I don't, I've never seen anyone care more mm. about our role and doing it right. And he mm. would talk, man, I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. He would talk to me about Lonnie, like he knew him and he would cry and, and it would get on you. Yeah. You know, you'd start crying with him, but he's like, I just want this to be right, man. It was beautiful, dude. It was beautiful. Wow. But all that puts you on and when you're directing, when everybody's like showing up to work that hard, it it brings out the best in you too. So, uh, Kimberly Williams Paisley, she's funny. She's like this super turbocharged, uh, just fun person. Just so fun. And Joe Courtney, me and my family have been huge fans of his since super eight. Super eight was a really mm. important film for my family and my kids. Cause my kids were getting little cameras and running around and making little short films like those kids were. And, you know, being raised in a filmmaking family. Um, so that, you know, them getting to meet Joel and just how hard Joel worked and he's really becoming a, a wonderful actor. And then the other amazing people that we found just casting, just, just throwing out a casting net. We had amazing casting directors, mm -hmm. multiple casting directors on this that are just at their a game. So Ali Ionidi is playing Chuck's daughter, Jeanette. We had Anna Grace Barlow playing Kathy. She's like a vision in this movie. We mm -hmm. had Charlie Patton who played Connie Lonnie's wife. Um, Julia Campbell, Jolie Jenkins, Nick Bishop. I mean, tons of people. So, and then the local cast that we found uh, in Atlanta and Louisiana area. Like my big thing I argue with, not I argue, I don't argue about it, but I push for always is you spend all your money, you go to LA, you get your big people. And then the rest of the cast is a bit of an afterthought, but I, mm. I always come in like swinging a sledgehammer. I'm like, all these guys have to be good. The mm. local talent, even more so because they're going up against like Kelsey Grammer. You know, you're going to cast some local dude in Atlanta and he's going to go up against Kelsey Grammer. They have to be amazing. And like yeah. we found our people, you know, so mm -hmm. even the Deacons, you know, like these guys that are, aren't on, they're not on screen that long, but they yeah. just hold the thing up. And um, so, yeah, I can't stand up. And then our crew as well. I, I really am attenuated to crew as a filmmaker because of my origin story. I, yeah. I, I set my own lights. I shot my own shots. I edited my own stuff. I, I did my own craft service, you know, and, um, 
And so I definitely feel at home with the crew and uh, it was uh, just beautiful to get the texts and the emails and see people in tears on set as we were rapping. Mm. Uh, I'm just realizing not only do we feel like we made something special, it was a special time to be together. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can feel it. I think in the movie, you can yeah. feel it. I think, uh, I think you just feel that we wanted it to be that buoyant fun, like, you know, 1960s, uh, you know, late sixties, early seventies, that buoyancy of the hippie movement and all that, and just the colors. And, um, and I'm not lying. It was hard days. It was long days, but it, it had that joyful mm. feeling uh, that was pervasive even amidst the hard days. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, it can it definitely comes across. I mean, I think every every actor, every scene, every everything in the movie is so believable. And you believe that like I feel like I, I definitely was transported back to that actual movement uh, because of everything that you guys put into it. And so, yeah, it, it definitely it definitely shows for sure. And I love how like, you guys were even like funny with with Jonathan Rumi, like who played Jesus in The Chosen, like even <laughs> addressing the fact that, yeah, he kind of looks like Jesus also in this and, you know, and and just having fun with that. And it's amazing to see Kelsey Grammer, who has has been a part of something you know to be a part of something like this who's recently you know in recent years rekindled his own faith and seen you know what what god has brought him through and his struggles and everything as well so do you guys have any funny or maybe impactful stories that happened on set while you guys were filming yes uh well i'll tell you about kelsey, kelsey first he took a weekend retreat with some of his buddies and they were lamenting the fact that they had just done a lot of work like we all do they had done a lot of work for money and just to pay the bills, which we all will have to do that at some point. Um, unfortunately, just in the world in which we live, you, you want them all to be passion projects, but 0.001 of 1% get to just do have a passionate career all the way through. Sure. So he has this retreat with his buddies and they lament this fact together that they've just done a lot of stuff for the money that they're not really proud of. And they made sort of a, a semi pack together. They're like a, almost like a blood oath, but, we're going to try our hardest to only do things that matter spiritually, that matter, like, uh, that we're passionate about in our hearts. Well, he gets back from that retreat and that Monday morning, the Jesus Rev script was in his inbox and he read it. Wow. He called his agent. He's like, I'm in. Didn't even talk about money. And the agent's like, Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's not a good position for an agent, you know, but it's like, uh, yeah, I'm in, make this happen. And, uh, mm. I mean, he did it for not much money. I mean, they could have, he could have nailed this for a lot more money, but he just, he was passionate about it and he wanted to do it. And, um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful. Um, I'm trying to think we had some tornadoes hit. That was pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, yeah. In a, a, a fun fact, and you won't even believe me when I tell you this, but 85% of this movie was shot in Alabama. Um, huh. Uh, there's incentive programs. States want you to come shoot your movies in their states and they'll actually give you rebates back. And so Alabama is really hot right now because they give you good money back. So the producers were like, hey, Brent, you guys got to shoot this in Alabama. And of course, me and John Irwin complained because <laughs> we wanted to, you know, we're like, what? No, you know, they're like, dude, you you'll get half your half the days to shoot if we go to L.A. We're like, OK, mm -hmm. so we capitulated. But that ended up being the really fun, creative challenge of like everywhere you look okay, can I make this feel like Southern California? Can I make this mm. feel like Southern California? So, so yeah, uh, but we're in Atlanta in the Bay, Mobile, Daphne, Fairhope, 
and water spouts come in off that bay all the time. And, uh, sometimes I'll hit land and, you know, turn into a tornado. So we, yeah, we, uh, for the first time in my career, um, we had to pull the power on the generator because the lightning strikes were within proximity of our set. And there's all these strident rules about lightning strikes and it gets within, I think six miles. They, they don't even tell you there's like, everything just goes dark wow. and you're like oh what yeah we had to pull it guys you know get someplace safe so that was pretty wild so we we got shut down um one day because of tornadoes and mm. it was kind of funny because I, i'm i'm a southern kid i've lived in tornado alley my entire life but to see some of the la people like freaking out about the tornadoes is pretty funny but, <laughs> but i went to them later i said look if i was in an earthquake i would be freaking out right now so this right. is our natural disaster zone you guys have your own thing going in la you know but um but yeah man um but yeah it was it was scary it was crazy but but people rallied and we came back the next day and um got back to it and and Lionsgate let us add i think an extra day hmm. to uh to make up for it and so so yeah those are some fun those are some fun uh things that happened and you know pretty crazy things but overall it was uh it was pretty smooth as far as filmmaking goes. There's generally just terrible things. It seems like trying to stop it from happening. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but yeah, we we persevered, and those are probably some of the craziest. <laughs> yeah, a couple of the craziest stories, I think. Cool, that's awesome. And I, I love like I, I've had the privilege to be able to talk to some other people, actors or or directors and things within. Uh, the Christian movie world, and and it does seem like there's 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 blessings upon blessings that God is just orchestrating behind the scenes and allowing things like this to that He really wants to happen. Um, it just kind of pushes forward, and and to hear that you guys had a, just an amazing time with the cast and the crew, and, and you know, there of course things like tornadoes, I guess, are gonna are gonna happen. But to, to hear that you know everybody was pushing through and they really wanted this to happen, and just to to hear that it was an amazing time on set is is so awesome. And I'm sure that yeah, you can look back at it and see just God's hands and and the blessing all the way throughout the whole thing. It felt really guided. Uh, it felt very guided throughout. I I literally most movies do not feel like this. And I mm -hmm. kept looking up in the sky, waiting for like the meteorite to hit me. You know, I was just like, okay, when does, when does the shoe drop? You know, I was just bracing myself and it just, uh, it just never happened. It was just very guided. Not saying like, not saying things did weren't trying to fall apart, but, but sure. on the whole, on the level, it was a very guided process that, that um, didn't have a lot of emotional, spiritual wrinkles throughout. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty great. Um, awesome. Can I go back to one thing you, you talked to sure. you asked? Okay. Uh, I, me and John just did Babylon B two weeks ago and you know, I, we were just went really nervous about like, you know, are they, are they going to roast us? Are they going to like right. make fun of us the whole time? And, um, but it's so funny because the banner for our podcast is why are Christian movies so bad? Question mark. I was like, Oh, <laughs> but they just, <laughs> they just don't I mean, do. They just put everybody in the chokehold, you know, like right. it's just scorched, scorched earth, you know, but one thing that did come out there, like to your point. Uh, and I'm really excited about is a lot of people do want to talk about their faith. And I think there are a lot of very, very talented artists, even in the Hollywood system, actors, producers, directors, writers, editors that have just sat it out because uh, we need a certain quality level to feel good about it. And it's nothing to do about being ashamed of your faith or God or whatever. It's, it's, it's just like, Hey, I don't, 
the quality is not anything that I want to participate in right mm. now. And so you saying you appreciated it, that it didn't have any cringe in it. That means a lot to me. And I, I've been hearing that refrain a lot. I, I talked to a, um, I talked to a critic and it was so funny, but he's a scorcher dude too, too, too as well. But he said, um, he goes, yeah, when I rate Christian films, I rate them in eye rolls. And mm. I was like, Ooh, and he goes, he goes, yeah, your movie didn't have any eye rolls. And I really appreciate that. That's awesome. And I was like, okay, wow. You know, so, so Christian films don't have to be bad. As a matter of fact, they can be great. And so when little filmmakers come up and talk to me about wanting to share their faith, I was like, um, yeah, go look at the Sistine Chapel because mm. Christian art can be great. Absolutely. Uh, some of the greatest art in the world. Yeah. Uh, and that gets me to a whole other rabbit trail. But like, I think a lot of people, uh, are making Christian films that don't have a Christian label on them that actually move me deeper than something that's inside the little Christian silo. <clears throat> Obviously for me, where I'm at spiritually, I want people from all walks of life to go see this. Uh, I, I want everybody from the hardcore ultra evangelicals down to the atheists to go see it because I think there's something in it for everyone. And that, and to, to spin back to youth groups, I think you have, you're going to have, that mosaic mm. in your group you're, you're gonna yeah. have atheist kids that are going to youth group for whatever reason maybe they they like a girl or that friend group is really cool or they feel like a vibe or, or whatever it is but i really do feel like we tailored this movie to meet people where they are like yeah. irrespective of like where their beliefs are at or like where their walk of life is i guarantee you i have a really good jewish friend that's gonna go see it and i know he's gonna call he's like man that was really good dude that was cool and we had a bunch of Lionsgate execs that aren't christians you know walk out walked out of our test screening like in tears hmm. so i i don't know man i'm excited about it i'm definitely like i told you before we rolled but i'm definitely going through the roller coaster of emotions as we're pushing up to the release date uh so but uh but that's natural for a director to feel like that and, sure um, but I'm excited for it to get out in the world. It feels like you, feels like you raise a kid, mm -hmm. and they get to be college age, and you have to let her go off to college and have a life of her own now. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for for other youth pastors. I'm excited for um, their youth group kids to to be able to come see this and and see you know how it will not only inform them about what God has done in the past, but also inspire. Like maybe maybe this could happen again. Maybe this could happen in our time. Um, there's so many similarities. I know Greg Laurie talks about this as well. There's so many similarities between that time and our time today. And and I think I think Jesus is ready to to do something again in in the lives of young people and the lives of you know the people in our culture. But you know we need maybe something like this is what will ignite it and go. Hmm. Maybe maybe we can do this again and uh and see what happens so as we as we wrap up i just wanted to to share with you you know our podcast is focused on helping youth workers grow but also on helping them getting connected and so in a world that's been so disconnected unfortunately youth workers aren't immune to this so before we wrap up i'd love to give you a chance to just share some encouragement to our audience yeah well i was you just jogged my memory. I guess I'll close by saying this. I always tell kids, especially when they're like going out on dates, because you always hear dinner and a movie. That's wrong. You should flip it. Mm. You should do a movie and a dinner. Mm. And because you can go see the movie and if it's bad, you can just shred it all through dinner. If it's good, you can talk about it. And like, you'll find out so much about your person. But if you go to dinner, it could be awkward and weird. So I always tell people to flip it and go movie and a dinner. 
because you always have something to talk about. Yeah. So I think with Jesus Rev, that is amazing. I, I would love to see youth pastors all over the country just have a almost like a no holds barred conversation, round circle, where even kids could pass up questions anonymously. Just be like, what are the themes? Or what do you think is missing in the church today? What do you what do you what's missing in our youth group that you wish? Like there's is I, this movie opens up your heart. Um and I think a lot of people cry, they don't even know why they're crying. Mm. But it's just such a beautiful movie about inclusion, you know, including and loving the other and making safe space yeah. for for people that maybe don't look like you, don't act like you, maybe don't even share the same beliefs as you. And so so yeah, I think that's I think that's great. I think I think the encouragement I would give, and half of you guys are already doing this for sure, but be honest, be don't be afraid to be vulnerable and transparent and let your heart break out um, of inside your body because your kids are looking for that and they're actually judging you mm. <laughs> on uh, against whether you're, you're actually doing that or not. And I think what's crazy is with these younger kids, it's actually more of a trust fall than you think because mm. they're looking for people to lead them. Uh, but you have to be emotionally honest and vulnerable and broken and have that brokenness uh, in full display and if you are a leader like that, your kids are going to return that in kind and you're going to end up with just some of the most amazing experiences with these kids. In closing, my wife is a life coach and so much of the dark and the hurt and the suffering and the oppression we see is because of trauma. And if we can get kids talking about how they got hurt. Mm. And wouldn't it be beautiful if that is happening in the church instead mm -hmm. of with a therapist or instead of with their toxic friends or instead of them like going to drugs or whatever it is as they find their identity. What if this whole thing flipped and they're like, man, I need to go talk about this in my church. Yeah. Like that would be incredible. You know, and I've been in, I've been in spiritual settings where I've felt like I could be myself and bring some of my dark to the light and it can happen. And so my encouragement would be if you're creating a safe space for your kids where they can bring their dark to the light, um, you're changing the planet. <laughs> you really are. And um, yeah. I'm appreciative of what you've done. Kim and I worked with uh, youth groups for many years and it was some of the funnest times of our life. If you need some hardcore skits, hit me up on, on Instagram. We'll send you a couple skits that we did. Um, but um, but yeah, man, I, I you guys are doing important work, and you know, for me, going back to what we said at the beginning, above all of our moralist views, above the right and the wrong, it's like there's this radiation of God's love, constant love, trying to reach out, and if we can cut through all that, because because quite frankly. The kids of today are stuck in some of that too you know like it's real yeah. like you have to have your you, know, you got to have your your stances on everything and your 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 signaling out on your instagram page like what you feel about different issues and um but if we leave love in the margins or if we leave love under that we're underneath all that we're going to continue to fail and just be lost mm. um and so yeah i hope yeah. i hope that's an encouragement to somebody for sure absolutely well it's an encouragement to me for sure for sure. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on today. Yeah. Yeah. I love this generation. Uh, I think these kids can change the world. I think they're, I think they are pushing us back uh, globally towards social justice. Mm. And 
you can find so much overlap with social justice and what Jesus was doing. And, uh, you know, that's another thing I would say is meet kids where they're passionate about justice. Mm. Uh, that's man, that there's a lot of common ground. There's that's, that's a Venn diagram that, you know, you could, you yep. can spend a lot of time looking at. So well, thanks for having me out. Man. Yeah, think. no problem. Where can people find more information about the movie? We know it, uh, releases, um, I think uh, in theaters everywhere on February 24th, 2023. Um, but where can people find more about the movie and also maybe connect with you online? Yeah, you could go to JesusRevolutionMovie.com and there's actually links to go pre-buy tickets now. Like there's a lot of pre-buy happening, which is really cool. But uh, but if you don't want to mess with all that, just go find your favorite theater. The tickets are available. So if you use an app to buy your tickets, you can buy tickets now, uh, which is really cool. And then if you want to find me, it's just Brent McCorkle, B-R-E-N-T-M-C-C-O-R-K-L-E at Instagram or Facebook. And I love talking to people and meeting new people. I love talking, you know, uh, if you guys have anybody in your youth groups that are, you can tell are super passionate about film. I love mentoring kids. I really felt alone in the process. And like I didn't have a strong mentor and I'm trying to help as many kids as I can. Cause it's, it's a pretty hard business to break into. Hmm. And, um, and it's, it's good to spend time with people who are actually in the, in the business. And I love to talk to people and try to encourage them because it's hard. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard life uh, path, but it's also very hard to get into it. And a lot of kids get real discouraged, but there's tons of very talented kids that deserve to be in the space. They just need a little bit of guidance and help. So if you have somebody in your youth group that you want to, you know, throw, throw my way, do it. I, I love talking to kids about this stuff. Um, yeah man that's instagram facebook go to the website or just buy the tickets uh it's going wide it's in 2700 theaters opening weekend and so we're really excited about it man I, I hope it i hope it does good but you know more more than the numbers i hope the people that need to see it see it mm, absolutely yeah and and thank you so much brent for being on today thank you for all your work that you've done on several movies but especially this one with jesus revolution um may god bless your ministry that you're doing through the film industry thanks for the time man. i really enjoyed this conversation thank you i really hope you enjoyed that just as much as i enjoyed it if you did please be sure to share this with others brent has quite the story and he loves helping others to tell their stories as well and jesus revolution is one of those amazing stories that he's been able to help tell remember the movie releases in theaters on february 24th 2023 and if you are listening to this later after it's left the theaters i'm sure it will eventually be available to purchase or stream online as well and as we wrap up episode 99 on our seven year anniversary, I can hardly believe that we are almost at 100 episodes. That 100th episode will drop later this February, just ahead of the Jesus Revolution movie, as a matter of fact. And to celebrate on that 100th episode, we're going to have several amazing giveaways. So be sure to tune in to listen, but also to learn how you can enter those giveaways. I also want to say thanks again to our sponsor for this episode. Be sure to check out gshades.org. That's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to check out their curriculum, their blog, and so much more. And be sure to use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout so you can receive $20 off your order. 
Thanks again, G-Shades, and thanks to you all for being here once again. Be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find all those links as well as all the other links that were mentioned in this episode in our show notes. And as always, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry.